When you Google weight loss, there seem to be as many results as there are stars in the sky. No carbs, more protein. Maybe more carbs, just veggies. Maybe just organic veggies? What about shakes or fasting? What's that about? It's overwhelming in its variety and contradictions. So how can we get healthy when we're already living busy lives and don't have the time to figure it out? And when we think we do, how can we be sure it's right for our body? Especially as teachers, physical self-care can seem like a luxury. I mean, sometimes it's as if you're lucky to get in a quick bathroom break. So eating right to fuel our bodies can seem a little bit daunting. But today, I'm talking with Rachel Fryman, former teacher and founder of MindStrong Fitness, where she lays it out for us and reminds us that physical well-being is not a luxury. It's a necessity. Rachel makes it easy, or dare I say, fun. And if you're an empowered educator and ready to thrive, doors are open now for registration for Thrive Live. This five-week online course will give you the tools to create the sustainable work-life blend you've always wanted, increase your emotional intelligence, and pave the way for more satisfaction at work that you can maintain. It's time to stop surviving, and it's time to thrive. Grab your spot now at empowerededucator.com slash thrive. Remember all the passion and vision you had when you first went into teaching? Feeling like building young minds and creating community through your work would make a lasting impact on this world? Well, those days may feel like they're behind you now because you're exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed and frustrated, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be like this. In fact, the love of teaching never really went away, but it absolutely needs transformation. Welcome to the Take Notes Podcast. I'm Jen Rafferty, former music teacher, mom of two, and certified emotional intelligence practitioner. And I'm here to light the way for you. In order to create a generational change for our kids, we need to shift the paradigm away from the perpetual stress and overwhelm and into a life of joy and fulfillment. This is Education 2.0, where you become the priority, shift how you live your life, and how you show up both at work and at home. So take a sip of steamy morning coffee and grab your notebook. It's time to take notes. Hello, and welcome back to Take Notes. I am so excited about this next episode where I have an incredible guest, Rachel Fryman, who is the CEO of MindStrong Fitness, a lover of lifting heavy things up and down, and a coach passionate about helping others unleash their strongest, most empowered selves through education and mindset training. So of course, I wanted to have her on the show. (laughs) Rachel has more than 15 years of classroom instruction and certifications and personal training, sports nutrition, and behavior modification. And she is the author of the best-selling book, Becoming Mind Strong, The Truth About Health, Fitness, and the BS That Is Holding You Back. And her inside-out approach focuses on both physical and mental attributes in building healthy and sustainable habits. So thank you so much, Rachel, for joining me today. Oh, thank you. I'm excited about this conversation. Our worlds seem so different, but they're so aligned. So I'm excited to chat. Yeah. So those of you who don't know, Rachel probably don't know that she also started as a music teacher 
just like me. And we have just incredible parallels in our lives. And this moment you're witnessing right now is the actual first time we've had a conversation together in the same space. <laughs> but we've it's known incredible. each other. Right. We've known each other through different spaces through other people for so long. So you're hearing all of the joy in my voice because of that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, this is a very meant to be moment. So those listening, you're at the apex of years in the making. Right. It has been. Yeah. <laughs> been. I'm embarrassed to say it's been years. But now that you're here, I would love to hear in your own words and for everyone who's listening, your story about how you came to do this really important work and teaching people to prioritize their own health and well-being and expanding the definition of what that even means. Yeah, I love talking about this in general, and I love that I get to talk about it with you because I've told this story more times than I can count. But the fact that I get to speak to you and other educators just hits differently because my background, as you said, it wasn't education. I was a freelance jazz musician in New York for many years, and eventually I moved to Florida and I started teaching middle school music. And I freaking love teaching. I thought I was going to teach for the rest of my life. But as you and most people listening, I would assume know, teaching is a very giving, giving, giving job, right? It's taking deep breaths. It's showing up as your best self, no matter how you're feeling. And I just needed some kind of release at the end of the day. So for me, that release came in the form of the gym. And I had no idea what I was doing. Like if reels were a thing back then, there would be viral reels of what a hot mess I was because I knew nothing about nutrition. I knew nothing about workouts. I just knew I needed to let off steam so that I could show up as my best self for these kids. And what started happening was very much aligned with, or the reason it started happening was because of the feedback I was hearing from other teachers. So I would have these other teachers come up to me and be like, man, I wish I could get in shape. I wish I could go to the gym. I wish I could learn about nutrition, but I'm so confused. I don't have time. I don't know where to start. And I would tell them, listen, I'm going after work anyway. Why don't you just come with me and I'll we'll work out together. And I always tell this story. It was a little selfish because <laughs> selfishly, the feedback I heard from them lit something in me because I would hear these women say like, my husband touched me and I didn't flinch. I looked in a mirror for the first time in 10 years. One lady, this is both heartbreaking and beautiful. She said, my students said, is everything okay because you seem happy? I was like, oh God, that's gut-wrenching, right? But at the same time, like selfishly, I was like, I want to help every woman feel this way. And I really think it was my teaching background that lit that spark for me because the industry in which I work, the health and fitness industry, is just so flooded with BS like we all know this, go Google weight loss and you will find 5 billion contrasting pieces of advice of eat carbs, don't eat carbs, eat high fat, eat low fat. And the more I learned about it on my own journey, it was a very organic progression. I was just flabbergasted because the teacher in me saw, wait a second, this is a skill. Like someone can teach you to knit. Someone can teach you to surf. Someone can teach you the skill of nutrition, but that's not how it's taught in this industry. Because once you pull back that curtain and see the truth, well, now you're not going to keep shoveling money at the industry. So that was my very long-winded answer of I started a company to do things very differently. I will never consider myself a personal trainer. I consider myself an educator. And what I do in an industry full of BS and full of confusion is I teach what we call capital T truth. I show women that fitness, nutrition, health are not these big overwhelming subjects that the industry makes them out to be, that they're learnable skills just like we would teach in a classroom. Wow, there's so much there. And I'm going to start with something that I picked up on where 
especially as educators, especially as women, that worthiness piece. Yes. Being worthy enough to take the time to go to the gym. I'm sure you hear that a lot from your clients. How do you approach that in a way where that needs to be the fundamental piece of everything that you're doing? Yeah, that is. <laughs> I love how your brain works, that that's where you honed it on, because that is the stumbling block for so many women, especially. I mean, men, too, but especially women. We tend to be givers. We tend to put everyone else before us. So the vast majority of women that we work with, they've started from a place of it's selfish for me to take the time for myself. It's selfish for me to invest in myself, right? That's money I could be spending on my kids or my classroom or insert other person you're taking care of. And one of the things that I get most passionate about in my business is this idea of generational health. So as a society, we talk a lot about generational wealth, right? Like our, our parents want to take care of us so they can pass it down and know we're secure. But the problem is this topic of health and fitness, especially for women, is not something that we just learned on our own. Right. Our relationship with food, the fact that we feel like we gained five pounds because we sniffed pizza. We heard that. Right? <laughs> you know, all there. I know. <laughs> We've all been there. And it's because we heard that from our grandparents and from our parents and our aunts and our uncles. And that's not to shame anyone. That is our society. We were brought up in this all in, all out, black, white, I'm on my diet, I'm off my diet culture. And it's being passed down generation to generation because we don't know any better. So this is the part as a former teacher that I get most passionate about because when you heal your relationship with food, and that is a very real thing, when you learn nutrition as a skill, there's no more guilt, there's no more shame, there's no more I can and I can't. And that becomes so much bigger than you because now what your daughters, your kids, your students are hearing is not, oh, I, I have to go to the gym today because I had pizza and I feel fat. It's, hey guys, you want to get pizza after work today? I fit it into my nutrition plan. I'm good to go. When we release that shame, guilt, and regret, that becomes the new relationship that's trickled down to our kids and their kids. And that's how we break this pattern in history. So there's a, the overused cliche in the self-help world of putting the oxygen mask on yourself first. But the reality is there is truth to that, right? The you that shows up drained and hanging on by a thread and low energy, you're not serving anyone. You're not serving your students. You're not serving your kids. In fact, you're modeling for them that that's how life is. But to me, it goes one step further than that. It comes down to what message are we passing along, both in terms of the energy you deserve and that bigger picture relationship with your health. And that's really hitting on the fundamental principles of what Empowered Educator is all about. It's making transformational generational change has to start with you. Like you said, that's twofold. You are allowing an increased capacity to hold space for the people who need you because you're taking care of yourself. Your oxygen mask is on. And like you said, too, you're modeling a new paradigm for them to see a new way and to make it safe for them to follow in your footsteps. And I love that term, make it safe for them. You know, we have one of her, she's now a coach for us, but she started as a client and she specializes in moms with young kids. And I use her as an example because when she came to us, she had that mom guilt. So that's real for a lot of moms. Those 40 minutes in the morning where I'm doing my workout or 30 minutes or 20 minutes, that's time I could be spending with my kids. And fast forward a year, what's happened now is that her kids do their little workouts with her. Like they have their little kid-sized dumbbells. And the message she has sent them is mommy's health is the top priority. Our health as a family is the top priority. And this past year for the holidays, her husband got gym memberships for the entire family. Like it became a family affair 
because that message is no longer shame and guilt at the time spent. It's as a family, this is what we prioritize. Our health is important. You see mommy model it. Now join me. And now everyone's involved and actions speak louder than words. You can preach the stuff to your kids, but kids are sponges. They're going to do what they see modeled. And at the core of this, that's the best thing we can be doing for the next generation. Absolutely. And as a person in a role where you see 25 to 80 to 150 to 200 kids every single year, that is a beautiful spot for you to be that role model for them that you're right. They see you. So it doesn't matter how much you preach, eat healthy foods, make sure you exercise, get enough sleep. In that example that you shared at the beginning of, wow, what's changed? You look happy. Are you okay? That's the message there. That's huge and really confronting. Yeah. I taught middle school, like go ask middle schoolers to describe most of their teachers and it's words like cranky, like, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of the straw that's going to break the camel's back. And you can't fake that stuff. You can put on a smile. You can try to do your best to show up for them. But if your energy is that low, especially as teachers, man, our energy is everything. If you are hanging on by a thread, that is what your students are getting from you. When you walk into that room and you have more energy than the 12-year-olds you're teaching, they're going to naturally be like, holy cow, what is Miss So or Mr. So-and-so doing? That's how they show up in this world. They might not have the words to put behind it, but they want to model that level of energy and the underlying message. The more they get to know you is, oh, I got to take care of my health. I want to do what they're doing. Yeah. And it's magnetic for sure. And and so I want to also hit on a couple of things here. It sounds like your ideas of what health and holistic health is, is almost threefold. It's the physical working out in the gym and exercise. It's the nutrition and it's also the mindset. Is that accurate? Yes. And of those things, many teachers will be happy to hear the physical part. The workouts are far and away the least important part. You can 100% make these changes. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) You don't even need the gym. You could do it with nutrition and mindset alone. So let's start there with nutrition then, because I was going to go right to the gym because that's the thing I'm afraid of. (laughs) I go, but as you were like, I'm getting started and I'm a hot mess. That's totally me. I'm going, but I'm just like, there are reels and I'm looking. (laughs) There are reels now when I'm starting. I'm like, please, no one no one recording this thing. But okay, let's not start there then. Let's talk about nutrition then. So what do we need to know about nutrition that we're not getting from Google? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and getting a lot from Google and none of it is the truth. The diet industry, because we can't even call it the health and fitness industry, it is the diet industry, is very, very black and white. And that appeals to a lot of people because many of us are perfectionists. We struggle with black, white, all in, all out. And this industry doesn't help because that's how it's designed. You're either eating clean six days a week or I've eaten a food not aligned with my goals, so I'm off my diet. I'm going to have to start again next month or next Monday or insert arbitrary date, right? You're either working out five days a week or I'll start again next month and meld into my couch in the meantime. It's very all in, all out. And on top of that, everything in the diet industry is based off of restriction, Right. If you name a diet, whether it's keto, any kind of low carb points, shakes at their core, every single we have a whole training around this. Every single diet is the exact same diet. It's telling you what you, quote unquote, can and can't eat. And most teachers have some level of psychology training. Right. Even if you haven't don't have a degree in it, you, it's part of the education background. And one of the things that psychology teaches us is that we are pleasure-seeking creatures. We are designed to avoid pain and seek pleasure, but first and foremost, to avoid pain. So here's what that means. Every single time we go on a diet, doesn't matter which diet, shakes, points, frozen meals, low carb, you're putting horse blinders on. 
And you're saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can only eat these foods. I can only drink these shakes. I can't have carbs. And you are literally fighting against your human nature. You're trying to live in a state of restriction, which is discomfort, which is pain. So we go on these diets. We last, you know, a couple of weeks, couple of months. Maybe you have more willpower than I do. So you last a year. And then when we cave, we don't just cave, we binge because we just spent our weeks, months, years living with horse blinders on fighting our human nature. And the problem is it's never going to last long term, right? We tend, especially as women, to beat ourselves up and say, why can't I stick with anything? Why do I lack willpower? Why will nothing work for me? And when we pull back this curtain on the diet industry, we say, of course, it didn't work for you. It's not you. It didn't work for humans. This is human nature. This is not how we were designed. So what we teach, when I say I consider myself an educator, I teach a skill and it's not a skill that I invented. I teach a skill called macro tracking. The reason that I do it well is because I was a teacher. I can take, especially us music teachers, right? We can take big, complicated subjects and make them very simple. We can make them not overwhelming. So what we teach with macro tracking is that you have your personal plan, your personal nutrition plan. From there, you can eat whatever the heck you want as long as it fits within your plan. Now, of course, we want to make nutritious choices the majority of the time. But for me, I love donuts. Like my students knew on my birthday, it was boxes of donuts. <laughs> and if I have a donut, I didn't cheat. I didn't splurge. I'm not off my diet. I can choose to fit a donut into my plan and I can hit my weight loss goals. And by doing that, we learn to flow with our human nature. There's no more allowed, not allowed foods, good foods, bad foods. There's nutritious and less nutritious, but we step into our power of choice and we stop trying to fight against that human nature element. Even just you saying that, I feel like a weight's been lifted. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, it's not me. <laughs> it's, not, it's not me. And it's not that restriction because that goes into just lack and scarcity. Yeah. And that sucks. Like that never feels good. It's never going to last either. It doesn't feel good. And because it doesn't feel good, it won't last. Right. And I do want to enjoy the ice cream cone with my kids. I don't want to be the mom who takes her kids out for ice cream and says, no, I can't. You know, and even when I was I was on a diet, <laughs> I was on a diet. I'm admitting it. I'm on a diet. I would have that moment of I don't want to be on the diet in front of my children. And now that I'm like unraveling all of this, how interesting, right? How I couldn't even show up authentically with my kids in that moment where we could have this beautiful summertime event. And even just you saying that kind of relieves this pressure that we all think about what that's supposed to look like. Yeah. And I love that your go-to example was an ice cream cone with your kids because when we start, we have a 12-week program where we teach this skill. And I would say 85% of the time, the first time that someone really starts locking this in, their post is, I took my kids for ice cream this week and I sat there and had a cone with them without the shame, guilt, or regret. And what a different feeling. It's always the ice cream cone with their kids. And I love that. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And, yeah. you know, because that, I think that's a real thing. You want to have those moments. And especially with young kids, there might not be the most nutritious choices all the time. Or you're celebrating something, you're celebrating a birthday or, you know, and you want to have the piece of cake, you want to have the extra drink, you want to have the ice cream or whatever. And it doesn't feel good to be the person that says, no, 
thank you because I'm restricting myself. Yeah. And energetically, I mean, the two go-tos is for most women is either they don't participate, right? It's like, no, mommy's not going to have any. Or we have some, we try to fake it. But this shame, guilt, and regret is there. And it is apparent. And, and kids can feel that energy from you. So think about from a mindset, from an energy perspective, when you are sitting there with zero shame, guilt, or regret around that ice cream and you are fully present, you are showing up as a different parent. And it probably tastes better. It does. <laughs> Everything tastes better without regret. <laughs> yeah, this regret tastes terrible. <laughs> uh, and that's whole part of it, right? I mean, we have to eat. This is part of being human and we might as well enjoy ourselves. Exactly. What we teach is a skill. So if you were going to learn to surf, right, the first couple of weeks that you surf, it's not going to be that enjoyable because you're going to suck at it. And as humans, we don't like to suck. You're going to be falling down all the time. Once you have it, I mean, the sky's the limit. You never have to relearn to surf. If you put it down, you might get rusty, but you know how to do it. And that's the thing with macro tracking. There's a learning curve. It's going to take you a couple of weeks because we've never approached food this way. But once you lock it in, you literally, this is not some like sales pitchy thing. You literally never diet again. It's just an approach to how you eat where there's going to be days you choose not to track. There's going to be days where you're like, screw it. I'm going to go eat everything in sight. But the difference is this time, we always have that tool in our toolbox and we just get right back to it. At some point, when you lock this in, you look back and you say, I can't believe I ever subscribed to diet culture because once you pull back that curtain, you can never unsee it. Right. And then, of course, the old adage of when we know better, we do better. And we know this, too, is as educators, we lock this in. But there's such a disconnect when it comes to ourselves, which is so interesting. We can teach the things. But as soon as it becomes introspective, then all of our old stories, our old relationships with food, that all kind of creeps up and serves as an obstacle of us moving forward. Yeah. And that is why the mindset piece of what we do, you know, sometimes people hear mindset and they think it's rainbows and glitter and unicorns. When people come to us, they say, well, you know, I want to lose 50 pounds. My my coaches and I, we kind of giggle to ourselves because we're like, the weight loss is a given. For us, that's the simple part. It's math and science. You do this, it will work. We know where the fun part is, where we get to dig in as coaches, is what's under the surface, right? There are years of wired in neural connections. I'm a big neuroscience nerd. There are years of wired in neural connections and limiting beliefs and stories and labels that have led to this relationship with food. So yeah, we'll teach you to track macros. You'll lose the weight. That, that part's a given for us. But what's under the surface, what comes up in the process that's where we get to roll up our sleeves and really start to do the real life changing work. And that really gets my tail wagging too. I mean, <laughs> I love that expression. Yeah, that's kind of how this whole thing works, right? That's what Empowered Educator is based on. It's changing your wiring. We're changing our programming. So for those of us who are listening, who are not necessarily well-versed in how this goes regarding old narratives, old stories, labels, limitations, can you walk us through an example of what that means and how that goes? Absolutely. So I'll tell you one of my favorite ones. You know, let's say I'm doing a two hour live free workshop and I'm introducing people to macros for the first time. They're going to get all hyped up. They're going to see, wow, this changes the game. I see why diets never work, blah, blah, blah. Then we get to the point where you say, cool, you want to join our 12 week program. Here's the investment level on autopilot. Your brain is going to start telling you stories. It's going to say things like I have spent so much money in my life on dieting that 
it's just wrong for me to spend more, right? We touched on one before. It's selfish of me to invest in myself. Who am I kidding? Like, yeah, I'm hyped up because I'm on this live workshop, but who am I kidding thinking something else is going to actually work this time? The reason that that stuff popped up on autopilot, you didn't consciously think that. That just popped in your head the second you saw a price tag. The reason that happened, if we could roll back the tape and look at your life in slow motion, at some point in your life, every time we think a thought or take an action, a neural connection is formed in our brain. Every single time that thought is repeated or that action is taken, there's a stuff called myelin. Myelin works like cement, and it's coding, coding, coding that neural connection. When enough myelin's been coded, boom, it's a full-fledged habit, right? So think about when we're kids and our parents had to force us to brush our teeth. We didn't just wake up and brush our teeth. There was an argument every night. But now, you know, we wake up, we start our day, we're like, did I brush? Yeah, I brushed my teeth this morning. We don't even think about it because it's myelinated into our brains. Well, that works with stories we've told ourselves over the years. So every single time you've gone on a diet and it didn't last, which now we understand why it didn't last. But your brain didn't know that at the time. Every time you went on that diet and it didn't last, it was now more myelinated proof of this is never going to work for me. Who am I kidding? Think something's going to work. It's selfish for me to invest. Every one of those thoughts is wired in your brain as a habit and it's showing up on autopilot. I mean, we could have the same conversation about labels we put on ourselves, right? I'm just the big one in the family. My sister's the skinny one. Like pick your label. All the neural connections have been formed. This is all autopilot in our brain. So much of the mindset work that we do, it all starts the same way. It's a little red flag. Wait a second. Of course that thought popped in, right? That is not capital T truth. That's a wired in neural connection in my brain. Then we take a breath. Okay. I see you. I acknowledge you. I know you're there. And I now know that every diet I've invested in the past, it wasn't investing. I was spending my money on shakes. I was spending my money on frozen meals. This is the first time in my life that I'm doing something new. I'm doing something that flows with human nature. I'm investing in an education. And I bet, because this isn't the BS of the past, I bet this is the first time I get to start with a clean slate. And again, that's one of a million examples, but it starts with understanding that the thoughts in your head are not truth. They're thoughts that you've repeated over and over and over again until they're wired in as what we call a belief. And our job is to red flag, to take a breath, whether it's outwardly or inwardly, express our new truth. And then most of all, and this is true of workouts, nutrition, everything, to consciously wire in the new habits that we want to build. And I love how you said new truths because we can believe whatever we want to believe. Yes, 100%. When you understand neural connections and you understand how habits are built, as cold and sterile as it sounds, you also understand you can consciously build the person you want to be. It is purely choosing the thoughts on which you ruminate and choosing the thoughts that you repeat over and over again until they're wired in as habit. I mean, I don't know what's more empowering than that. Yeah, you are in <laughs> almost complete control. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? In a world where so many of us are struggling with that control, if you just for a second took a breath and realized that the agency is everything external changes. A hundred percent. It is all about baby steps and momentum. Because consistency is what forms habits. How do we get consistency? By finding what we need to hold ourselves accountable and repeating, repeating, repeating. And because that's true of thought and action, there's nothing in this life, I mean, short of death, there's nothing in this life that you can't consciously choose to build through baby steps, momentum, and consistency. It's amazing. And as we get to embody that as educators, that's the stuff that we're teaching our kids. 
Yes, a hundred. Oh man, talk about like neural connections. I used to nerd out on neuroscience with my music kids because I would explain how neuroscience works on a very basic level. So when little Susie would pick up her trumpet for the first time and her gut reaction is to cry because she sucks at it, we would talk about there's no neural connection right now. How in the world could you know how to do this? So we don't need to go practice. And I'm going to tie this into our conversation, but you don't need to go practice an hour and a half right now. If you did five minutes, five days a week, guess what's happening in your brain right now? And we talk about myelin and cement, and it is the exact same conversation. If you want to rewire your brain as the label of being the big sibling, it's the same conversation. If you want to start a workout routine, if you want to start learning macros, all of this comes down to forming a neural connection and consistency and the power that you take back when you fully understand that. It's beautiful. That's really the only way I can describe it. It's a beautiful space and place to explore. And it's right there. (laughs) And so many of us just don't, we miss it because we're so busy doing all the other things. But if we just understood how our brains work, like you said, it's, it's actually not about anything else. It's really just about understanding the most powerful tool that we have at our disposal. Yeah. And I think your point is a valid one. You know, we get so busy with life and that plays into this conversation because they say that 95% of your life is run by your subconscious brain. That subconscious brain is simply exactly what we've been talking about. It's the neural connections that have been myelinated for so long that it's your autopilot. So if you're someone who walks around with a lot of anxiety, I don't mean simply to belittle it, but it is simply because your brain has been wired for ruminating thoughts that cause anxiety. If you're someone who walks around with tons of confidence, it's because you have repeated those thoughts and those actions for so long that it's wired that way. So the reason we're so big on pausing and breathing is because that's what takes us out of autopilot. It's, wait a second, I feel myself running on my 95% subconscious loop. Let me pause. Let me breathe. Let me break the cycle. Let me consciously choose what I want to ruminate on, the actions I want to take, and then we can build from there. Yeah. And it could be as simple as what came up for me right there is going to reach for that donut, having that thought of, oh, I shouldn't. And then noticing, oh, wow, I just thought that I shouldn't do this. And the way he calls it as, as a red flag, calm yourself down by breathing and then actually being able to eat it because, you know, it fits into your macros. <laughs> you can come be a coach for us right now. That's exactly what we're saying. <laughs> because then what you do is you step into the power of choice right? Psychology talks about something called reactance, which simply says as humans, don't tell me what, you know, middle schoolers get a bad rap for this, but we're all like this. Don't tell me what I can't do because the second you tell me, I want to do it even more. So the second that you red flag your thought, like you so beautifully said, I shouldn't have this donut. We pause, we breathe. Interesting. Interesting that I just decided I shouldn't. Is the world going to end? Will my family love me that less? No. So I can choose to fit this donut into my macros. I'll still hit my goals. And I know I'm probably going to get a sugar rush. It's not going to keep me full very long. It's not very nutritious. So which do I choose? And some days you'll choose the donut and that's totally fine. But sometimes just pausing and breathing and doing the work and giving yourself permission. Yeah, I could have this if I want. And X, Y, and Z will be the result of it. Just that power of choice is enough for us to make other choices. And I love how you said doing the work, because when we think about generalizing, when we think about weight loss, nutrition, we think the work is external. Like you said, calories in, calories out. Yes, no, black, white. But the work that you have been describing really has nothing to do with food. (laughs) It's all up here. It's all mindset work. You know, that's why my coaches and I like 
behind the scenes, we joke a little bit because weight loss is math and science. Like for us, that is a given. If you take the time to get through the learning curve of macros, you will hit your goals. It is math and science. As sparkly and wonderful as every individual is, you don't defy the laws of math and science. The real work is what's going on up here, the all in, the all out, the black, the white, the shame, the guilt. And that's what changes everything. You need that part to go along with the logistics. So if there's someone who's listening right now who is like, okay, I want to just try something today. What is something small that they can do right now? One thing I'll tell you what not to do, <laughs> and then I'll tell you what to Yeah, let, let's start there. <laughs> when I talk about macros, the first thing people do, and it makes sense why, is they Google online macro calculator. And I'm a very why person. Like I never grew out of that childhood stage of don't just tell me something, tell me why. If you want to see why I preach from the rooftops, online macro calculators do not work. Try it yourself. Google free online macro calculator and pull up three of them. And you will be more confused than when you start because they are so wildly wrong that you'll have things that tell you to eat 1,100 calories, things that tell you to eat 2,100 calories. They do not work. So if you're hearing this and you're like, oh, macros sound awesome, let me go get a calculator, do not do it. You will shoot yourself in the foot before you start. Here's where I suggest everyone starts. I mean, we have people who go through our program self-paced at the lowest investment level. We have people who spend tens of thousands of dollars to work directly with me. Every single human starts in the same place. For the next five to seven days, download a free app like My Fitness Pal is a good one, Lose It's a good one, Fitbit's a good one, doesn't matter. You're just going to eat the way you normally eat. And I say that knowing it's easier said than done, because sometimes when we start shining that light of awareness, right, it's like being observed in the classroom. You're like, oh, I better step my game up. So right, all the kids better behave when <laughs> principal's coming in. Right. Exactly. There's no play it cool. Like everyone's on a bigger. To the best of your ability, eat as you normally eat and just track your food. Now, there is no shame around this. There's no guilt. This is where we need to do a little emotional separation. Right. If you were in debt right now and your goal was to get wealthy, nobody wants to have that meeting with the financial counselor. Like it sucks to print out all your credit card statements and, and see everything on paper. And if you want the end goal, it's a must. We have to shine the light of awareness. We need to see the data. So when we're tracking, we're going to do our best to stay out of a place, shame, guilt, judgment. It's happening anyway. We're just putting it down on an app. Hey, you won't know if these numbers are quote unquote good or bad. You won't know what they mean. But what it is going to do is it's going to give you a bird's eye view of what's happening. A lot of times what people see is like, oh, I'm actually not eating as many calories as I thought. Or they'll be like, oh, OK, that's why I thought I was eating healthy, and but I'm not losing. It's simply gathering data for the first five to seven days. And then from there, we could talk about next steps of what to do with that. But we start every single person with the same place of just shining that light of awareness. Yeah. And even that, like you said, will create some sort of amount of work to separate yourself from that shame, guilt, feelings of judgment. And this is something for those people who have been in my world for a long time, too. We can't change anything if we don't notice it. This is about just the noticing and giving yourself so much self-compassion and grace to have the space to do this because this is the first step to making changes is noticing. Absolutely. We call shining the light of awareness is the exact same thing. You can't my terrible sports metaphor is but a quarterback is going to change their game. They don't just wake up and start changing how they throw the ball. They're going to watch hours and hours of footage to see what's going well, what's not. You have to shine the light of awareness. And this also puts us in a position to step into our power of choice, right? A lot of times when people here track my food, they're like, oh, that sounds so tedious. It sounds like so much work. And the answer is, listen, weight loss is calories in versus calories out. So do you have to track? Absolutely not. Will the world end if you don't? Nope. 
Will anyone love you less? No, you haven't been doing it most of your life for most of us. And we know that not doing it hasn't worked. So I wonder if these are conversations we get to have in our head. I wonder what it would feel like if just for five, I'm not dedicating myself to 12 weeks. I'm not dedicating myself to a year. But what if for the next five days, I just track my food just to see what this Rachel chick is talking about, right? Sometimes just giving ourselves that grace and stepping into the power of curiosity, just like that donut analogy that you used, it lets us step into our power of choice. Yeah. So before I ask you about how people could know more about your work and work with you, I always ask this to everybody because here we are expanding this idea of empowerment, expanding this idea of holistic well-being as educators who reach so many kids and communities all over the world. We are really shaping the next generations. And what would your dream be for the future of education? Oh, I love this question. I think we need to flow with what's actually happening. And I think this is true in classroom settings, right? There's a big divide right now in the educational system of why are we still having kids regurgitate facts? Like we live in a world where Google is literally in their pocket. Do they need to know the dates that X, Y, and Z happened when they can Google it in 10 seconds? Why aren't we teaching creativity and team building and all the social skills that many of us know are bigger picture? And In my world, it's the same thing, right? We need to stop pushing these black, white, all-in, all-out methods that fight against human nature. And we need to get realistic. Like, people want to eat donuts. People want to have a glass of wine. Yes, in an ideal world, we'd eat perfectly healthy and nutrient-dense food. And it's never going to happen. That's not how human beings are wired. So how do we get us healthier and accomplishing our goals and hitting our weight loss goals while being realistic to what life looks like for people? And I think in general, when we clash as a society, it's people trying to push others into a mold that doesn't fit. Whether we're talking about how education's run or health and fitness is run, like we all have a human nature as different as we all are at our core. We're all the same humans that whose brains work the same way. So in every area of life, the more we can learn to flow with that, the more we're going to advance as a society. Yes. And those skills that you are describing are everything. And I have to tell you, most of the people that even come on this podcast have experiences in creativity, in arts, in music, in theater, in some way, and have created beautiful lives for themselves because of the critical thinking, because their ability to connect, their ability to be innovative. And we know this as teachers. And I think you're right. There are constraints sometimes with what we are and are not able to do in the classroom, but we know what's right. We know and and trusting yourself to do that. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. That's a great question. I love that. That makes you tap into that creative side to to answer that. Right? Yeah. You kind of have to look beyond the reality right here. So I want to know, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about your work at MindStrong? For sure. So the best place to find us is our main website, which is simply mindstrongfitness.com. I'm assuming people listening are podcast people. So we do have our own podcast called Becoming MindStrong, which is the same name as my book. If you're on Facebook, our Facebook community is next level. If you look up Mind Strong Women, it is just a couple thousand women, just like-minded, different stages of this journey, but all there because they are so sick of not only diet culture, but beating themselves up because of diet culture. So start with our website, mindstrongfitness.com. If you're on Facebook, look up Mind Strong Women. And if you're a podcast person, Becoming Mind Strong is our podcast. Awesome. And I do have to say that 
first of all, all of that stuff will be in the podcast notes. It'll be super easy to access. But also I've seen your Facebook lives. I know how active you are in that group. And even as someone who's kind of on the periphery of what you're doing, it has been really eye-opening for me. And I just encourage anyone listening, just go right to that Facebook group because that's where you'll get access to Rachel. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I will say about our business is we are passionate because we know as teachers, you never want to see kids struggle. You certainly don't want to see adults struggle. And I just see so many women beating themselves up for something that I am a huge fan of radical personal responsibility, but this is not your fault. The reason it's never worked is not your fault. So I always say I was either going to get arrested for shouting from the rooftops or I was going to start a company that can teach us truth. So that we went with the latter. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for this spectacular conversation. It has just been a pleasure talking with you. Finally. Finally. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to leave a five-star review and I'll see you next time on Take Notes. Incredible, right? Together, we can revolutionize the face of education. It's all possible and it's all here for you right now. Let's keep the conversation going at Empowered Educator Faculty Room on Facebook.